Hello, bookworms. Welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them to tell us about their favorite books. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and today I'm talking to author Carly Heath. I have been dying for someone to choose a Taylor Jenkins read book, and Carly didn't let me down when she chose to tell me about the delicious tale of old Hollywood, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and why it is the best book ever. Hi, Carly. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I love this podcast. I'm so excited to be on it. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Thank you for saying that. Before we get started talking about the book that we are going to talk about today, I have to show you something I picked up at the library yesterday. Look at oh my this. gosh. Wow. <laughs> well, I love seeing my book, The Reckless Kind. Um, Julie is holding up uh, my, my debut young adult novel, The Reckless Kind. Um, from the library in that library binding. And it's always mm-hmm. really exciting for me to see my book like in the, with the with the library plastic wrap. It's a trip because that's like the most like exciting thing. I, I think as an author that your book is out there and available for people to read for free at libraries. So like anyone anywhere can go get it. I love it. It's, it's miraculous. Just, yeah. Do, do you go to libraries and go look at your book like on shelves and see who you're sitting next to? Oh, gosh. You know, I actually haven't been to my local library. Uh, I, I guess I kind of assumed that things weren't really open. Mm. So I haven't I haven't gone. So I really do need to actually go to my local library and uh, check it out. But I I have gone to a Barnes and Noble and saw my book there. So that was that was really fun. Oh, I'm sure. And the local indie bookstore here. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a trip after so many years of working on something and uh, being able to see it on the shelves. It's a really amazing feeling. Did you have any say in the design of this cover? Not a whole lot. I luckily am a a big Pinterest user. So I remember my publisher, uh, they sent a questionnaire of what kind of book covers do you like? And I just sent a link to my Pinterest board, which has tons of book covers that I've been collecting over the years of like, ooh, someday I want my book to look like this, you know, that sort of uh, dream uh, vision boarding on Pinterest. Uh And uh, so when I found out, when I got the initial sketches from the publisher, they uh, had the author, the artist's name at the bottom, uh, which was Lisa Perrin. And I was familiar with Lisa Perrin because that was one of the many uh, book cover designer artists that I had been collecting on Pinterest. Uh, So I was really excited that Lisa Perrin would be uh, designing my book cover and uh, they sent me sketches and, you know, I, I was allowed to like say things about it. But uh, they they do their thing. They know what they're doing, basically. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of say in that. But I was really excited with the artists. I think Lisa Perrin is like one of the great book cover artists and designers. And I love her work. And I'm now thrilled like that my book is featured on, you know, on her portfolio and all <laughs> of that. That's just amazing to me. I have to tell you. I mean, I went specifically looking for your book because I knew I was going to talk to you and I cannot wait to start this. But I have to tell you, even if I knew nothing about you and I was just walking down the aisle, I would have picked this book up based on the cover alone because this 
strikes my design sensibilities precisely. This is what my house looks like, essentially. Oh, really? Yes. These colors and these sort of stylized floral, it's just so beautiful to me. So I know that, you know, we're not supposed to judge books by the cover, but... Yeah, and I, I'd also been collecting uh, Scandinavian folk art and mm. uh, for a while on Pinterest, too. So I had a lot of Scandinavian folk art that I'd collected. And uh, so, yeah, I think they they got what I liked. as And um, I love that. That style of art is called rosemalling, which is a Norwegian um, folk art that was really popular in the 19th century. And it's fun. I've kind of taught myself uh, some of the Norwegian folk art as well. It's really fun. Will you tell my listeners what your book, The Reckless Kind, is about? Yeah. So my debut young adult novel, The Reckless Kind, is set in 1904 in Scandinavia, in a a fictional Scandinavian country uh, just west of Norway. And it's about three misfit teens who defy the expectations of their rural Scandinavian village in every possible way. They leave their families, they go off to live on their own, and they need to defeat the town patriarch in the region's annual winter horse race. Uh, So they definitely face a lot of opposition from the townsfolk because of their sort of defiant and uh, potentially deviant nature. Uh, and they uh, they do have a lot of compassion. The, the title, The Reckless Kind, focus is really all about how uh, kindness is at the root of everything that the kids do. Uh, they have a really, really supportive friendship, a very deep kind of uncomplicated love for each other, which perseveres despite a lot of the uh, difficulties that they face. Uh, all of the kids uh, deal with disability in some way, uh, which is, I think for many people, a little strange. They're like, why is there so many dis- so much disability representation? presentation in this book. And the reason why is because that's how things really are in real life. I mean, for me personally, I can't think of someone in my friend group who isn't disabled in some way. Um, It's such a common experience in life. And especially in the early 20th century where medical uh, care wasn't what it is today. Although certainly today there is room for improvement in medical care as well. Um, injuries did result in permanent disabilities that people experienced throughout their life. So I wanted to showcase uh, just and normalize how disability is a part of life. And it's not something that we should erase from uh, the way things are. And the best way to, you know, help support all of us who are dealing with disabilities is to be uh, supportive, to to ask, what can I do to help? How can I, you know, make your experience more comfortable? And so the the themes of one defiance when society is, is asking you to conform to something that's not authentic to your heart is a theme as well as compassion and kindness for all the difficulties that your friends might be going through. It's the book of my heart. Is this something you read? Like what led you into writing YA um, and in a, in a Scandinavian country, you know, you're an American, um, you know, you went to a different genre, you went to a different region. What, what led you to these formats to tell this story of your heart? 
Yeah, I love YA uh, as a genre. It's uh, one that I read a whole lot of. Um, the you know, and the the setting is kind of a mixture of a whole bunch of different things that I was interested in at the time. Um, at back few years ago, I was reading Christian Lovren's Daughter, which is uh, the book that won Sigrid Unstedt, the Nobel Prize for Literature in the 1920s. And it's a really, Christian Lovren's Daughter is a really great epic Norwegian book um, set in medieval Norway. And it's very immersive and lush. And the setting is so fully realized. And the characters are very passionate and complicated. And I love so much about that book and I love the vibe of it. I didn't really love the message of it, which is kind of an anti-feminist message, which is basically if you defy your parents, uh, you will suffer and you'll lead, lead a life of suffering. So it's just to best uh -oh. to obey what your father wants you to do. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I didn't jive with that, but I'm like, I really want to write something that that's like this, that uh, has a more of an empowering message and a more feminist message. And I'd always been, I love Norway. I love Scandinavia. I've been kind of obsessed with it for a long time. Uh, and in college, I did a costume design project uh, set in the early 1900s. So I'd already done a whole lot of research into that time period. Um, and I, uh, and yeah, you know, sometimes though, you could say, oh, there's a whole these reasons that I had for writing a book this specific way. But sometimes it's just you have characters and settings in your head and they just start talking and they just start living their life. And then you're finally they bug you and bug you. And finally, you're like, OK, I'm just going to write this down, um, you <laughs> just know, to shut them up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's also really, really fun, too, when the characters are talking and living in their life and you're like, OK, this is awesome. I want to live in this world and I want to start letting these characters characters exist um, for other people to read and enjoy as well. Carly, were you always a reader? Yeah, I probably, I mean, as early as I can remember, uh, my grandma was uh, really into books. And uh, so I remember reading from like a really, really early age. And I even remember in elementary school and middle school, I was reading Stephen King. I was really <laughs> big into Stephen King in elementary school, um, which I didn't understand a whole lot of it, but I, it, it, it spoke to me for some reason. Uh, and yeah, I've always been really, really into books, constantly reading as my, my main means of entertainment. Do you still read Stephen King? Yeah, it's actually been a few years since I've read uh, Stephen King. I finished the Dark Tower series, and then I kind of uh, went on to reading other things. And I've lately been really into young adults and uh, also, yeah, this year has all been historical romance. Um, so it's felt, yeah, historical romance and young adult have been my main genre of the year <laughs> uh, of 2021, 2022. 
For more information on how to support this podcast, check out my Patreon. For about the cost of a latte, you can have access to all sorts of extra goodies. Every week you'll get exclusive interview clips with my guests that are only available to patrons. I also send out advance notice of the books we discuss, curated reading lists, my monthly reading wrap-ups including The Good, The Bad, and The DNFs, and essays about the reading life. Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash best book ever to learn more about how you can help me keep the candles burning over here in my reading cave. Now back to the show. This book that we are um, discussing for this episode today, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Do you remember when you first came across this book? Yeah, it was in 2018. I remember, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter and I remember a bunch of teenagers on Twitter saying Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is my favorite book of all time. And uh, yeah, it was like a bunch of teenagers saying this. And I was like, I have to read this book. So I picked up the book and I I think I read it literally like in one set sitting. I was like, this is so engrossing because the way that Taylor Jenkins Reid tells a story is so masterful because she sets up multiple mysteries that happen. Uh, one, it's the mystery of why does Evelyn Hugo, who is this, she's a uh, Hollywood icon. She is like an Elizabeth Taylor type of movie star. Um, why does Evelyn, why did she have seven husbands? Like what's going on with that? Uh, who is the real Evelyn Hugo? And then it's framed with uh, Monique, who is this, you know, nobody, uh, reporter, writer, uh, who Evelyn Hugo, this great movie star has asked, I, I want you to interview me. And Monique's like wondering, why are you choosing me? Uh, Monique wrote one story, uh, that, was well-written, but it was nothing. Um, So there's the mystery of why did Evelyn Hugo choose Monique? And then there's the mystery of why did Evelyn Hugo have seven husbands? And then uh, ultimately in the sort of transition point out of the first act into the second act, Monique asks, who was the true love of Evelyn Hugo's life? And then that kicks off like the real main plot. Um, but it's so masterful. How, how did you have this experience where you're like, oh, all the, she just plants these little questions in the plot. And then as you're reading, you're like, I have to find out, you know, <laughs> I have to find out the answer to these questions, you know. I, I did have that experience. And I honestly feel like this book is kind of reverse engineered to suck me in because mm-hmm. I am such a sucker for old Hollywood and mm-hmm. anything that has to do even fictional of old Hollywood movie stars is a very on my copy there's a very glam photo of sort of a reclining woman in a green <laughs> gown and automatically you go I want to know what's going on here and you know, you don't know, is it going to be tragic? Is it going to be sexy? Who knows what this is going to be? And then once you get into it and you realize the real thing that is going on, oh my God, then you start going, oh, this book's about something. Yeah. And 
she also does this really good job of foreshadowing where she she has these like little magazine articles that kind of overlay the you know Evelyn Hugo's life and so you read and you know okay these are her husbands uh this is kind of the overview of her life and then so you know these certain things are going to happen but then when Evelyn Hugo is telling the story like for instance during her her second marriage to Don Adler who is this uh one of the most uh famous movie stars of the time you're reading and you're starting out like, oh, okay, this, this husband is actually, he's kind of, he's, I can see why she's attracted to him. She, they really do seem to have some, a connection, but you know, because of the foreshadowing that had happened earlier that he's abusive. Mm-hmm. And so as you're reading their courtship, you're like, oh no, this is going to, this is going to take a real bad turn. And you're kind of like holding your breath, waiting waiting for that to happen. And you're also kind of wondering, like, Evelyn Hugo is such a strong, um, savvy person. Like, she's so driven and she's she's so smart, so like very smart about human psychology. You're like, how could she be in an abusive relationship? And then when, when the abuse unfolds, um, you really experience, it's so authentic feeling too. Um, I actually was in an abusive relationship when I read this book and I really do credit and thank this book for possibly being the reason for me to wake up and, and, and realize, oh gosh, I actually am experiencing what Evelyn Hugo is going through right now. And the way that she, she, experiences things like I think what, what does she say she says something about how uh Don is always he he says oh will you forgive me that 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 line will after he hits her will you forgive me and I'm like oh that's that's uh that's such the tactic of you know the toxic person because Evelyn can can only say well of course I'm not I'm, I'm a you know, I'm a decent person. Of course I can. Um, and then it begins the cycle mm-hmm. where the same thing keeps on happening over and over again. Uh, the way she writes that is so well done and so realistic. Because it's so, it, it's putting the blame then on her because we are yeah. taught from day one, forgive and forget. You know, mm-hmm. those of us exactly. raised in the Christian tradition, Jesus would want you to forgive well, okay, so it's my fault then because I can't forgive what you did. Like it's a very subversively evil technique to go. Why can't, yeah, why can't you forgive me? Because you hit me. <laughs> yeah, she he she has such. Um, and the thing is that Evelyn has such great boundaries, mm-hmm. and then that that uh, he is able to manipulate her in a way uh, to to get her to change her boundaries. Um, and the way that's written is just so, uh, it's just so well done. She's Taylor Jenkins read in, in all of her books. She's such a, a really good eye for human psychology and human relationships and human interactions. I just rereading this in preparation for the podcast really taught me a lot about writing. And that's maybe something that I've learned too is, rereading your favorite books and figuring out how the author did what they did 
uh, teaches you so much and it really helps you grow as a writer. There are some lines in this book that are absolutely amazing. I, I kind of jotted down a few of them. Yeah, tell me. Um, when, okay, her first husband, Ernie Diaz, who she basically just marries in order to get out of New York and into Hollywood. Um, when she has to ask Ernie for the permission to use her own money to take acting lessons. Uh, and she has to kind of put on the sweet, like housewife act, like, oh, I'm just doing this silly thing, you know? And she kind of gets a little like angry at him for not seeing who she really was. And this line is great. I told him I was someone else. And then I started getting angry that he couldn't see who I was, who I really was. Uh, that's such a great line. And that's, I think, something that makes the the true love of Evelyn's life so meaningful is because with all of her, uh, with many of her husband, because there's Harry, I would say is probably like the best uh, husband with many of her husbands. Uh, she puts on this performance of being uh, someone else with, but then with her, the true love of her life, uh, she is truly authentic. You know, everything Evelyn does is very calculated and very uh, with an object, with certain objective in mind. And she also still lives with this, this duality of, I want pe I kind of want to be authentic, but I also want to use what I have to get somewhere. And then with she is like able to be authentic because is so authentic. I, this was my second time reading it too. And I was really thinking the whole time about how her body is both worshiped and used against her mm -hmm. through the entire book, which is what Hollywood, I guess, has always done to women, right? I mean, well, really what society really mm -hmm. has always done to women, because uh, so one of the line things that Harry says in the book is the reason whores are so uh, like villainized is because uh, women's bodies is the one thing that they have kind of control over. And if women were to demand payment for their bodies, uh, then they would have so much power over uh, men and uh, but society has set it up in a way that, oh, if you if you demand any sort of uh, payment for uh, access to you, then you are a terrible person, mm -hmm. you know. Right. Right. We villainize um, all mm -hmm. kinds of sexual currency, I guess is the word. Yeah, and it's a so it's a great comment on the patriarchy. Uh, it's th this book touches on so many things. Um, it it touches on just like humanity and just how uh, how you have to navigate and how you have to uh, think about the person that you are on the inside versus the person that other people perceive you as. It's about the, just the creation of art and the whole like journey of Evelyn uh, making her art and uh, being a really great actress who is nominated for Academy Awards, but who thinks of herself as not a great actress because she's she's 
so much of her is focused on beauty and uh, the way that she looks. Um, so that's like, a, as an artist, like that's a real thing. And then there's this whole subplot of Monique and Monique going through this divorce and Monique kind of learning through Evelyn to assert herself. And if it were just a story of like, oh, Monique is learning how to become empowered because of what she's learning from Evelyn, like that would be interesting. But then because Taylor Jenkins Reid is so amazing at her storytelling, like there is a whole other layer of what happens with Monique that uh, is that just takes the whole book to a whole different level. Um, that is masterful and then just brings the whole thing full circle which is also about authenticity and who tells stories and who gets to understand the entire story of a person this book is really deceptively rich i think Mm -hmm. it's yeah i it's a masterpiece like i i guess i'm gonna keep on rereading it (laughs) over and over again and and try to figure out like how how do you do this as a writer? (laughs) Like, how do you put, how do you make such a perfectly crafted piece of art where every little piece is connected and comes full circle? And it's like on one level, level, you're telling one sort of story, but then on another level, there's a whole nother story happening. Yeah. And get all those pieces to work together is amazing. And wrapped up in a very easy to consume format. Like you said, you you heard about it from teenagers on TikToks, which is not to say that teenagers don't know great literature because they <laughs> do. Um, <laughs> but you know that it, you know, it's, it's cute. It's, it's a cute cover. It's a, it's a fun, exciting premise and it feels very palatable and easy to consume and and that's the part that I think is amazing is then you you read it and you go, God damn, this is really, really big stuff. And yeah, it's really deep. And that like that you have have written something that appeals to teenagers, to appeals to everyone, like teen yeah. teenagers all the way to, you know, people in their 80s. Uh <laughs> read this book and instantly are hooked. There's no point where, you know, you're, you're tuning out and you're like, Oh, does this need to be in here? Like you are, you're reading it and you're like completely enraptured from every page. And then you're realizing like, this is so deep. There's so many layers to this. Uh, And anyway, masterful uh, work of art. Have you read other Taylor Jenkins read books? I read Daisy Jones and the Six, Mm -hmm. which is really amazing because I have absolutely no interest in 70s rock bands. Um, Like that's not my genre of interest at all. That's like the farthest thing from the thing I would be interested in. Yet I am so uh, engaged with uh, the 70s rock band um, that Taylor Jenkins Reid is telling us about. And I'm so like invested in these characters and uh, what she's so good at, like, like you, you care so much about the characters that she writes, and even on, on the surface, if they feel a uh, a little bit superficial, like she gets down into why they are that way, and uh, and 
and you can't help but love them. How did I, and I'm still baffled, like how she does this so, so succinctly, so, uh, simply like there's a simplicity to it mm-hmm. yes. uh, where it's it's not overwrought or overwritten it's uh it's simple and you get it and it's 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 engaging too I have no idea how old she is, but her author picture on the book that I have, she looks very young and that's always really thrilling to me is that if she is writing at this <laughs> level at what looks like a very young age, I cannot wait to see what this woman is doing when she's 50, 60, 70 years old, because mm-hmm. her life experience and her craft is only going to get more complex. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really going to be fascinating to watch her career, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I'm definitely making a point to just do a Taylor Jenkins read marathon and read all of her books. Um, Cause I knew she also has Malibu rising, uh, which is about surfers in Malibu um, that came out recently. And then she has the books that she's written prior to uh, seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which I haven't read yet, which I definitely need to tell me what you're reading these days. What's on your nightstand? Um, so I am reading uh, 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 The City Beautiful by Aiden Polydoros, uh, which is a young adult novel. Um, it's a historical fiction. It's a little bit horror. It's a little bit fantasy uh, set in uh, set during the Chicago World's Fair in the 1890s. Uh, it's the main character is Jewish, uh, a Jewish gay boy uh, who uh, is possessed uh, by a spirit and who is working to find the the murderer of his friend and it's very very well written very immersive it really brings you back to that time period and a very fascinating time period it's very rich with cultural details about jewish life in the 1890s and uh and the characters are very very lovable. Um, so I'm really, really enjoying that one a whole lot. I also last week, I recently read uh, two books by Kat Sebastian. Uh, Tommy Cabot was here and Peter Cabot Gets Lost, which is a duology uh, set in the 1960s uh, about the, it's kind of different family members of this extremely uh, wealthy sort of Kennedy-esque um, politician family uh each book follows like a different sort of outsider in that family um i actually read this these two books out of order and it so it works whatever order that you are reading them in okay uh, but with uh i read peter cabot gets lost first and what this is is peter's dad is you could kind of imagine him as like a john f kennedy sort of character who is going to be running for president. And Peter is the son who is kind you know doing what he should be doing to be a good son, but he really doesn't want to go home. He really doesn't like his family. Um you get the sense that the family is very toxic. And so he sees one of his classmates kind of as he's about to leave school, um, it's, he's in college, he's about to leave school to go home to his family and he has, doesn't really want to go home to his family. So he sees one of his classmates kind of crying on the curb and he's like, oh, something's going on with him. 
And he's like, do you need help? You know, what can I do for you? And he's like, I need to get to Los Angeles. And something happened with his ride. And so Peter just lies and says, oh, I'm going to Los Angeles. You can come with me just because he doesn't want to go home. And uh, as they're on this road trip to Los Angeles, they fall in love. And it's a very, uh, it's such a short book. It's, I think it's a novella, but it's, it's very sweet. It's just a beautiful love story. Um, and it's very 1960s. Um, I, I just love this book. It's probably my favorite book of the year. Oh my gosh. You're already uh, and I, it. yeah, yeah. I actually read it. No, I read it right before new year. So it was, I, I finished it like on the 31st. <laughs> um, so it's my favorite book of 2021, oh, okay. I would say. <laughs> and then, uh, Tommy Cabot was here, which is uh, the should have been the first in the series, is about uh, Peter's uncle, and uh, he is recently divorced, and he met he he's taking his son to boarding school, and his former love, uh, who he he was in love with when he was in school is a teacher there. And it's a kind of a second chance romance where they rekindle their relationship. And it's so sweet. And uh, it's great because both books deal with people who have toxic families and who are changing their karma. So you're changing their pattern. So like they come from a toxic family where there's a lot of strife and there's a lot of falseness and they're choosing to enter into relationships and engage with people in a very honest, sincere way because they don't want to be like what their family was. And there's something about that that's just really uh, touching. So you love an indomitable force of a person, don't you? This is, if I were to choose a book for you, I would find someone who find one about someone who overcomes circumstances and is true to themselves. And I, I love, I have to tell you, I've never heard of any of these books, these three books you just told me about. And the second we hang up, I'm going to go get them at the library. Because oh, good. Yeah, please do. So good. I love a story of people who are better than their circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all so good. Um, yeah. I, I really like characters who uh, are, who just feel real. Like I, if that character is like an absolute cinnamon roll, I love them. <laughs> if it's, a, if it's a character who is, you know, I, cause I actually have said that I really don't like emotionally reticent characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think I really mean by that is because Evelyn is kind of emotionally re- reticent, but you get beneath the surface and you you find out which that she is very very real. Yes. Um, and so I I like I just like characters that are that are real that feel real in some way even if they have a few layers that you need to get through. Um, I love an author that can show us the authenticity of human experience. What are you reading, by the way? I know you already always ask uh, your guests. <laughs> I do. I know nobody ever asked me. I am reading. Um, I have two books going right now. I'm rereading Howard's End, which I, for some Ooh. reason, every January, I always love to reread that one. It's my favorite book. And I am reading um, the second book in the Dublin Murder Squad series by 
10 of French, which I am new to this series and they are too scary for me and they are too violent for me, but Ooh. Oh, talk about a writer. She just, I, I, I kind of can't believe I'm going forth with these books, but I am. And Ooh. Oh, they're so good. So okay, good. I might have to check those out because I kind of do. I've I've been thinking, oh, I really kind of want to read some more scary stuff because it's been a while since I've read some scary stuff. Yeah, I don't like scary, and these are too scary for me. But but that <laughs> is the testament to her writing because they're very layered, in depth mysteries. And um, I started with the Witch Elm, which is a standalone, which is not very bloody. That. The Dublin mm-hmm. Murder Squad. So far, there's there's blood and there's children, and oh. those are my trigger points. Yeah, and then as soon as I finish that, I get to start the Reckless Kind, and I'm so excited. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I hope you enjoy that. I know. I can already tell I'm going to. So, why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you and your work? Uh, my website is uh, carlyheathauthor.com. Um, my book, The Reckless Kind, is available everywhere books are sold, uh, a- including Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, your local indie bookstore. Definitely go there first uh, because the you definitely support your local uh, bookstore. Um, I'm on Twitter at Carly L. Heath and TikTok. Uh, at Carly L. Heath as well, and Instagram at Carly Lynn Heath. And uh, I, uh, that, oh, I'm on YouTube too. Um, at, at, just look for me, just look for Carly Heath on YouTube. And I have some interviews that I do with other authors. And if you're interested in the craft and interested in, you know, how to become a published author, that's a good channel to check out because you can listen to a whole bunch of other authors talking about their process. Great. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will come back anytime you have a book to tell me about. We obviously have very similar reading (laughs) habits. And so I want to know everything you're reading. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I have tons of books to talk about. So we could definitely do that. (laughs) Super. Thank you so much for joining me today, Carly. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for listening, bookworms. For more information on this episode and links to all the books we discussed, go to our website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at bestbookeverpodcast. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and you can find me everywhere as Julie wrote a book. Remember, I'm looking for guests from all walks of life to tell me about books from all genres. If you have a book you want to talk about, go to juliewroteabook.com and click on the button that says, be a guest on the best book ever. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.